Good morning. Lots of paper, lots to say. You know, I was reading the bulletin, I noticed some of you had your birthday a few days ago, some is yet to come. And I was thinking, once we are in heaven and the couple millions of years have passed, how many candles can you put on a birthday cake? I don't know, but we will celebrate. I'm looking forward to that. Wish everyone a happy birthday, okay? Mine is coming in December. Remember, December 20th. I will be here on December 10th. So, the title of my sermon is The Four R's. Four R's. The essence of right religion is to do the right thing at the right time. A very simple definition. You should be able to remember that. The essence of right religion, biblical religion, is to do the right thing at the right time. And my burden this morning is to emphasize the time element. It's not enough to do the right thing. You have to do it at the right time. Very important. I like to illustrate it first from secular history and then from biblical history. Now, 2,000 years ago, at the first advent of Christ, what was the greatest deception? I mean, the greatest deception. Jesus was condemned for blasphemy. Just stop to think. The chosen people, in their hand with the Torah, the word of God, but not completely understanding, condemned God for blaspheming his own name. Are you with me so far? And brethren, that fatal mistake cost them an eternal life. And it still costs them eternal life. I told you before, uh, I had a classmate. I had several classmates, but this one was a Jewish boy. We went to college together. We comforted or sold books all summer. Adventist books. And uh, 40, 50 years later, he left the Adventist church, 
when we went back to a synagogue. And I asked him one question. I said, Bill, we were good friends. I had no inhibition to ask any question. We were good friends. I said, what do you think of Jesus? He said he was not the Messiah. Are you following me? He was not the Messiah. Brethren, the greatest deception at the first advent was condemning God for blaspheming his own name based on misinterpretation of his own word, the Torah. What will be the greatest deception at his second advent? The pendulum at the first advent swung this way. Now it goes back to the other direction. They will worship the beast. And you know, worship belongs only to God, the Creator. Not even Gabriel accepts worship. When John fell down at his feet in the book of Revelation, what did Gabriel say? He said, don't do it. I am your fellow servant. Worship God. Worship belongs to God because worship grants divinity. And the beast of Revelation 13 will be worshipped by all those whose name is not written in the book of life. And there will be some Seventh-day Adventists among them. Some Seventh-day Adventists. Granting divinity where you should not grant divinity. Are you with me, brother? So the first deception, denying divinity where you should have granted divinity to Jesus, correct? The last deception, granting divinity where you should never grant divinity. Are you with me so far? Of course, we read that Lucifer will ultimately impersonate Christ and will appear at different places, different time, and people will fall down and worship him, granting him divinity when he should not grant divinity to that individual. Do you see the pendulum going from one extreme to the other? Both extremes are fatal. And I ordered 250 of this magazine. I don't know if you can see it well. The day of the Lord. Amazing facts about the return of Jesus Christ. I personally ordered it. 
over a week ago, and amazing fact that I should have received it, but I have not received it. I intended to bring to each one of you a copy. I will make up for that on December 20th when I am here, okay? You will get your copy, just be sure to come back. But what is the burden of this magazine? The burden of this magazine is the second coming. And to save you from the deception that will prevail in the world. Now this is 52 pages. From 52 pages, 48 pages are real Bible study. It is only a skeleton, bare skeleton, but it is enough to save you from that deception, which will be fatal. You are with me so far. But uh, you always need a little meat on the skeleton, correct? One of the best books on the market. Futurism's Incredible Journey by Stephen Bohr. Now, I will make a few references to this. If you would see it, it is, it's well marked. Get the book. You need some extra info. But if you don't, I am simply saying, if you really read it, reread it, and reread it, this one, the day of the Lord, it will save you from the last day deception. But it's only a skeleton. You need a little meat on it, and here it is. Now, let me come back. What was my definition? 4R. The essence of right religion is doing the right thing at the right time. Of course, what is right and what is the right time is defined by Bible prophecy, Daniel, and Revelation, and others. Now, let me use a short illustration. This is a short printout from Wikipedia. I purchased the book. That's four or five hundred pages. I didn't bring it. The Midway Battle, or Battle of Midway. This is World War II. 1942, June. Four, five, six, and seven. The battle lasted several days. I wish... I could spend the whole time just telling you the story, but that would not be appropriate. After all, this is a sermon supposed to be preaching the word, not war stories. 
But this war story illustrates one point that the right time is determinative. The right time. Up to that time, the Japanese were winning the war. American forces were retreating, losing. You know, it was after bombing uh, Hawaii, and the Japanese just captured every, uh, not every island, one island after another, one nation after another. <clears throat> but finally, the time came to June 4, 5, 6, and 7 in 1942. As I look back to that time, I was in elementary school, a little boy. I didn't even think how much sacrifice some of those pilots have made. I read that the book that some of the pilots, <clears throat> Japanese and Americans, fighting for their country, had only half a tank of gas on their plane. They knew they cannot come back. Yet they took off from the flying deck and, of course, lost their lives. What was the advantage of the American forces? They deciphered the secret code of communication in the Japanese Imperial Army. So they read their secret messages. The Japanese didn't know it, but the Americans knew what was coming, what is the plan, where we are going to meet them, and so on and so on. The Japanese first bombed, bombed Midway Island. They wanted to invade it. And the Americans figured out when those planes returned from their mission, had to land and refill. Are you following with me? It took about an hour to land all the planes, retank them, put on new bombs and ammunition. It's one hour. And they calculated this is the time when we have to strike. And they did. That's the essence of it. From that day on, the American Navy was winning battle after battle. The war was not over. But the trend, the direction changed radically. So, get the book if you love true history. Get the book, The Midway Battle. I, I couldn't put it down. I, I really. 
Don't, don't pick up stone because the old pastor loves war stories. I lived in World War II, you know, and uh, I experienced things. Man. So, let's come back to the principle, the essence of right religion, to do the right thing at the right time. Time is extremely important. But in order to determine the right time, I must know Daniel and Revelation. I must know. Now, <clears throat> let's turn together. Let me just use a little illustration from here. I told you that in order to get some meat on the skeleton, you get this book, Futurism's Incredible Journey by Stephen Bohr. Right in the beginning, you read that they separate the 70th week from the 69 weeks. That's dispensationalism. They said the 70th week is yet to be fulfilled by the Antichrist who will come and reign for seven years and so on and so on. <coughs> but do you know what is the logical consequences of this separation? First, the Jewish people are freed from the guilt of crucifying Christ. Now, if you study Vatican, Vatican II, the Roman Catholic Church made some announcements regarding freeing or not blaming the Jews, moving in that direction. I, I don't want to go down in that direction. Uh, it's a very, very sensitive topic. It's almost as sensitive as the war between Russia and the Ukraine at this time. I have strong conviction, but as I said before, I am not saying it from this pulpit because I don't want to offend anybody. But I have strong conviction on that one. The essence of that war is financial. Uh, but removing the 70th weeks also mean that the little horn cannot be applied to the papacy. Are you with me so far? And if it does not apply to the papacy, and if we accept this futuristic interpretation, then we might as well 
throw away the book Great Controversy. My away, my, might as well throw away the spirit of prophecy and just go back to the mother church. You, you followed me? You followed me? It's a very serious matter. Uh, turn with me if your Bible is with you. Daniel 9. Daniel 9, 24 and 25. Daniel 9, 24, 25. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and the prophecy, and anoint the most holy. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, there shall be 70 weeks. Oh, pardon me, 7 weeks and 62 weeks. The streets shall be built and the walls and even in troublesome time. I'd like to share with you a, <coughs> a very kind But an event or story that spoke to my heart, it still does speak to my heart. Now, you know the name of Philip and Nathaniel. They are very close friends. They studied together, prayed together, worked together. Very good friends, almost like David and Jonathan. But this is Philip and Nathaniel. And you read it in these outrageous, by the way. One day, Nathaniel was praying alone in a seclusion under a fig tree. But he was pleading with the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac. <coughs> <coughs> and Israel help me to understand and help me to recognize when the Messiah comes I mean he was pouring out his heart in secret Philip his friend finds him at that place and Philip says we have found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. You remember what was his response? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now what was his response? Philip says, come and see, come, just come, come with me. So Philip leads Nathaniel to Jesus. And, and as Nathaniel comes, 
What was the testimony of Jesus? What was his testimony? Behold a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. By the way, those who are sealed have to have that quality, have no guile in them, brethren. No guile, no deception. We have to be honest to the core. Nathaniel says, when do you know me? We never met before. When do you know me? You remember the answer Jesus says, before Philip called, I saw you under the fig tree. This was enough. Immediate response was, Rabbi, you are the king of Israel. Now, inspiration tells us something that you should not overlook. Very important. Nathaniel understood that 2,000 years ago, it was a time of the 70th week of Daniel 9.25. Are you with me? Very important. If we live in the time of the 70th week, 2,000 years ago, the Messiah has to come. How shall I recognize the Messiah? It was the right time to do the right thing. Seek for the Messiah. What is the essence of right religion? To do the right thing at the right time. And the time was the right time because it was the 70th week. And as he was pleading, the answer came. Philip says, come. We found him. And Jesus told him, before Philip called you, I saw you. And that was enough. That was it. Now, brethren, may I say, Futurism's incredible journey gives you meat on this topic. We need to understand. I tell you, this magazine is only the skeleton. I will bring you when I come next. I, I, I hoped, I wished I could have brought it today, but... The post office is delinquent, okay? It's not my fault. But it's very important that we understand. Now, just a little additional history. John Newman was a prominent man in the Church of England. Ultimately, he became Cardinal John Newman. He returned to the Roman Catholic Church. 
very famous man. But in his younger years, he criticized Rome. He blamed Rome for apostasy and so on. But there were three Anglican clergymen. Again, you find it in this book. And these clergyman says, yes, yes, there are mistakes in the Roman church. Yes, we acknowledge mistakes, but not apostasy. (coughs) (coughs) Now, brethren, there is a world of difference between mistakes and Apostasy. Are you with me? But these English clergymen have said, no, the Church of Rome is a true Christian church in spite of the mistakes and faults in the congregation. John Newman accepted this definition And ultimately, he returned to the Roman Catholic Church. They made him a cardinal, a world-famous man, who tried to bring the English Church back to the fold. Let's turn to John 5. John 5:36 Now please remember the ultimate issue centers around the person of Jesus was he what he claimed to be or wasn't he John 5:36 John 5 36. But I have a greater witness than John. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness to me or for me that the Father has sent me. Thank you. I said it in Hungarian. Open it up for me, please. A very important concept. Very important concept. You have it? Thank you. The work is the proof of sonship. The works are the proof of sonship. Whether you are 
son of God or the son of the devil. It works both directions. Let's turn to John 8, 38. John 8, 38 and 39. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the work of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from my father, or God, Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me for." I am proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself. But he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desire of your fathers you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, did not abide in truth, and so on and so on. So, brethren, the ultimate proof is the work, whether we are God's sons or the devil's sons. It works both directions. Um, Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. This is a critical time. John is in prison. John the Baptist in prison. Now you remember Judas expected Jesus to free John from prison, correct? You know the story, I'm just repeating. And Jesus didn't. And Judas was very much disappointed. But if you read these outrageous, you will read that even some of the disciples of John told him that Jesus should deliver him Now let's read it. Luke 7, 19 to 23. Luke 7, 19 to 23. 
And John called two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the man had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour he cured many people of their infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. And to many who were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have heard. The blind see the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead is arisen, and the poor, the gospel preached to them, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Inspiration tells us this was enough to John. All his doubts were gone. This was enough for John to see that Jesus was the promised one. But I want you to know, brethren, and stop the thing Above the miracles, and the miracles were fantastic, but above the miracles, they harmonized with the thus says the Lord. So the ultimate proof, the ultimate proof is it is written. Now, brethren, this is a salvation issue. When Lucifer will impersonate Christ, and I'm coming to the close. I'm raising the time, but hey, I started late. You understand, I started late. It's your fault, not mine, Okay. Take your share. When Lucifer will impersonate Christ, he will perform miracles. Heal the sick, restore the sight of the blind. Miracle after miracle after miracle. How will you relate to that miracle-working phenomena unless you stay strictly with the Word of God? That you know the Word. 
the prophecy of Daniel and the Revelation. Recognizing the true, discerning the false, Christ. I repeat it. Recognizing the true and discerning the false is a salvation issue today as it was 2,000 years ago and it will be to the end of time. And the only way is to know the time prophecies. The 70th week was fulfilled 2,000 years ago. I heard only one amen. I am ready to cry. It's a very serious matter. So let me repeat. The two great deception that Believers have to confront the two great deceptions. 2,000 years ago, it still continues. Denying the divinity to Jesus. And it was due to him. He was truly divine. Is that correct? But rejecting him, it's a salvation issue. At the very end, granting divinity to the beast. You read Revelation 13, 8. Everybody will worship the beast whose name is not written in the book of life. But worshiping somebody outside of the creator is blasphemy. It's fatal. To grant worship or divinity to someone who does not deserve it. It's a salvation issue. It always was, it always will be. The essence of right religion, there's two eyes. To do the right thing at the right time. I will bring you this on December 10. I will give everybody a copy. This is a skeleton, bare minimum, but if you believe it and read it and reread it, it will save you from that fatal deception. But if you are ambitious, and I think you should, Get this book. I'm not furnishing this. This is too expensive. I just can't afford it. But the church clerk could order it. The Futurism's Incredible Journey by Stephen Boer. Get it? You will be blessed. And you will thank me even after I am buried. Amen? Amen. I don't intend to die, but, you know, it might come. So thank you again. The Lord bless you real good.
Thank you.